Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Welcome to Facebook Live. I'm Pastor Mike Brunzel with Faith Fellowship Church. Coming to you from my home in Taylorsville, Kentucky tonight. I hope you're having a great day. I'm having one here myself. Looks like a little rain in the forecast today, but we can sure use it. It's been really hot. Well, I have a lesson for you tonight. I want you to start out in the book of Philippians, chapter 3. Verses 12 through 16. Philippians 3, 12 through 16. It's the Apostle Paul writing, he says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let as many as are mature have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. I'd like to talk to you tonight about attitudes. Not just attitudes, but making adjustments in our attitudes. I want to start out with a short story that's somewhat humorous, but it speaks to having a winner's attitude. It's an old illustration about a happy little boy who went out into the field wearing a baseball cap. In one hand, he carried a baseball, and in the other hand, his old trusty bat. His face had a tremendous look of confidence on it, he raised his bat up over his shoulder, tossed the ball into the air, saying, I'm the greatest batter in the world. Then he swung and missed. Strike one, he shouted. So he picked that ball up again, examined it carefully to see if there was something wrong with it, and then threw it into the air again. As he swung for a second time, he repeated again, I'm the greatest batter in the world. Once again, he missed. Strike two, he said. This time he stopped and carefully examined the bat to see if there was a hole in it. Then he picked that ball up again, adjusted his cap, tossed that ball into the air for the third time, and he repeated once again, I'm the greatest batter in the world. Then he swung that bat with all his might, this time with more determination than the other two times put together. He missed for the third straight time. Strike three. You're out of there, he yelled. Now, most boys might be discouraged by this time, especially from striking out. But this boy thought for a second, and then he said, Wow, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. <laughs> now, I don't know whether you'd be considered a batter or a pitcher, but one thing for sure, we've all struck out in the game of life. And like the little boy with his baseball bat, I think our attitude and the way that we perceive ourselves makes all the difference in the world. I mean, we'll experience success or failure, victory or defeat. 
So this little boy had a winner's attitude and, and, and that he couldn't lose no matter what. He, he was either a bad a batter or a great pitcher. If he would have hit the ball, he'd have been a great batter and a bad pitcher. But either way, he was going to win. And so uh, uh, we have to be determined that one way or another we're going to win and we're not going to be losers. So this little boy's winner's attitude, I mean, uh, in Jesus Christ, we can't lose either. I mean, even if we died trying, we still win. We can't even lose by dying. So this little boy had a winner's attitude that he couldn't lose. And the Apostle Paul had a winner's attitude and was never one to let uh, circumstances conquer him either. He was determined to win the victor's crown. And Paul's attitude, I believe, really comes through in the verses that we just read. He, uh, Paul lays out some principles concerning our attitude that can really help us with the circumstances of life. Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This translation says, for he presses towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul's attitude was put your past behind you. Get your priorities right and then press forward towards your future in God. And he tells us to forget our past, but I don't think that means that uh, there's anything wrong with memories. I mean, he's not telling us to forget everything in our past. There's some good things in our past that we don't want to forget. There's some good memories in our past. And, you know, God is the one who gave us the ability to remember things to begin with. He's the one who gave us our memory. But your memories can be your friend or your enemy. They can help you up or hold you down. And I believe Paul was telling us to forget the things about our past that would hinder us or hold us back or drag us back or pull us back, like our past failures, our past sins, and past relationships maybe that went bad. Sometimes it's a, a lost loved one that we haven't been able to get over, and, and, and we hold on to that memory of the funeral and the memory of the burial at the cemetery and things and the memories that we had uh, when they were with us, and they become a hindrance and they hold us back because... Uh, it makes our future look dim, and it doesn't give us a bright future because we don't want to go on without them. Uh, I guess the reason I'm talking about that a little bit is because I did a funeral today, and uh, I hate funerals. <laughs> I mean, they just, they just make me sad. I hate to see the suffering and uh, the pain that these people feel at the loss of a loved one. This was a 28-year-old girl, a, a girl that uh, I started to say today that she was in her prime, but... Uh, I don't believe she ever reached her prime at 28 years old. She's just way too young to, to uh, even though she went home to be with the Lord, she left this earth way too soon. And it, it could be depressing, you know, and, and the Lord gave me a word for the dad. And he said that his daughter was in, in his bosom and he was taking good care of her and that he wanted him to take care of himself and to remind him to and rather than spend his energy on grieving over her, and letting that hold him back to think about taking care of himself and his other his four grandchildren so in other words he's got a life here yet you know and if he gets too focused on that uh passing of his of his daughter and, and certainly it's 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 grievous certainly it's hurt it's hurtful and painful and uh we all suffer from a loss like that 
but life still has to go on and, and we shouldn't uh, let that consume all of our energy because uh, like God said, he has her in his bosom. She's happier now than she's ever been. It's her beginning of life. She's not dead. She just began to live. And, and you know, we'll see them all soon anyway. We're going to have a great reunion in the sky uh, at the rapture of the church. So uh, we have things to look forward to. And we also have people down here that love us and that we should love back. So uh, we can't get consumed with past things like that. But anyway, that's the things that I'm, I believe Paul is telling us to put in our past and forget them, you know. We have to discern the memories of our past and we have to determine... Uh, is this memory going to encourage me or is it going to hold me back? Is it going to be a hindrance or is it going to help me move forward? And if it's going to be a hindrance or something that holds us back, that's the one that Paul says, forget. Forget that past and press forward. Look forward. Uh, for example, there's things I don't want to ever forget, you know, like where God brought me from and all the victories that he gave me over the years and how good he's been to me and my family. And uh, I... I don't ever want to forget that, but I do want to forget about my past failures, my past mistakes, my past sins, because those will hinder you. Those will hold you back. And the devil will bring them to mind every now and then. and uh, He'll tell you, well, you can't go forward because you never dealt with this thing in the past and you did this and you did that. And uh, he'll get you to the place where you don't want to press forward anymore. You won't think yourself worthy enough to press forward. You won't think yourself worthy enough for the goodness of God. And that's exactly what the devil wants us to do. But I believe that Paul is talking to people that dwell on their past failures, mistakes, and sins. And they just think about them so much that it begins to become a hindrance and holds them back. Uh, it belittles them and keeps them down more than it does help them up so so much so that they become spiritually paralyzed if you will unable to live productive lives for god unable to go forward unable to enjoy the life that they have right now present tense you know they're spending too much time in the past and sometimes too much time in worrying about the future and we forget to live for today we forget to live present tense and paul is telling us that we can turn our past sins and failures over to God, get them under the blood, and then start moving forward to what lies ahead. You know, our greatest testimony is not being able to say that we never failed, but it's in the fact that we got back up every time we fell. And uh, we can learn from this uh, by watching little babies that are learning how to walk. You know, they'll start out crawling, then they'll find something to pull themselves up on, they'll take a couple steps and fall. But the thing about babies is they just get right back up and they try it again, and they keep doing that. And, and it's not how many times they fall, but it's how many times they get up. But finally, they learn how to walk only by reason of the fact that they never quit. They, they didn't fall down one time and say, well, I guess it's not meant for me to walk. No, they have something in them. It's like a DNA that God puts in us to keep getting up and keep trying. And they keep doing that until they're walking successfully. And I believe that type of tenacity, like I said, was programmed into little children by God. These are things that you don't learn as a child. Uh, I think it's in our DNA, but somewhere along the line, we lose that type of tenacity as we're growing up. We lose that type of tenacity to succeed, and we succumb to the enemy and defeat by quitting too soon and accepting a lot of things that we shouldn't accept. Babe Ruth hit 700 home runs. Praise the Lord. But did you know he struck out 1,330 times? 
Thomas Edison had thousands of failures before he finally invented a light bulb that actually worked. So we can't allow ourselves to become obsessed with our failures. We have to keep swinging, keep getting up, keep trying. I mean, we're all human. We all make mistakes. We all sin. We all fall short of God's perfect standard. But we should get it under the blood, get it confessed, uh, get cleansed again by the washing of water by the word. And then we should never not try because we're afraid to fail. You know, most people never try because of their fear of failure. Well, how do you know you fail if you never try? So don't let that ever hold you back. And even if you do fail, get up again, do it again, try it again, try something different until you succeed. Michael Jordan, who I would consider to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time, I know he gets compared with Le LeBron James and them, and, but you know what? Uh, he missed like more than 9,000 shots in his career. He lost almost 300 games. 26 times he, would tr he was trusted to make the game-winning shot and missed. And after all of that, this is what he said. I've failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. So he used his failures as a springboard to success. And so, I mean, that's a guy that had the right attitude. He didn't let them failures hold him back. He didn't care he lost nine, or missed 9,000 shots or lost 300 games, and 26 times uh, he missed a game-winning shot. He didn't, he, I mean, he cared about that, but he didn't let it hold him back. He just kept on playing and doing his best. And that's why he was successful, because of his failures. His failures pushed him forward. They propelled him forward because he wanted to do better and wasn't going to settle for failure. And I believe what Paul wants us to forget was our past failures, mistakes, and sins. Because God said he will forgive our iniquity and will remember our sins no more. So God's forgiveness is so complete that it turns into forgetfulness. If we have been washed in the blood of Christ, God has not only forgiven us our sins, he's forgotten our past failures and past sins. He don't even, if we would, once we confess him, get him under the blood, if we confess him again, God wouldn't even know what we were talking about because he forgot them. They don't mean anything to him anymore. So that's why Paul is telling us that we should forget these things as well. Paul said, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said, but this one thing, one thing. And we know Paul did more than just one thing. He made tents, he preached sermons, he traveled, he spent time in jail, he planted churches, he wrote books. Paul did a lot of things. He didn't just do one thing, but he said this one thing. And what he's telling us is that this was his top priority in life. Of all, of all the other things, this is the number one priority, this one thing, and that is to press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That was his number. That was his one thing, this one thing. So Paul is saying, I have my eye on the mark. I have my eye on the finish line. I run straight toward the goal to win the prize that God's heavenly call offers in Christ Jesus. That's the one thing. In other words, Paul's number one priority was the kingdom of heaven, and that should be our priority as well. And like a professional runner, 
He was running straight towards that goal, and he wasn't going to let anything distract him, anything hinder him, anything hold us back. As a matter of fact, he told us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us or sideline us, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Paul knew how to run a race. He, he knew how to use it in an analogy as well. But Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or his way of doing and being right, and all these things will be added unto you. So we should be drawn closer to God, closer in worship, closer in, in prayer, seeking his guidance for our life, seeking his direction, and being a doer of his word by going to church, number one. He said, fail not to assemble yourselves together uh, as some are, especially as you see the day approaching. Well, the day is approaching, and instead of drawing back, we need to be drawn closer. We need to be getting in deeper. But let me say, make a suggestion. Set aside 30 minutes every day to read your Bible and pray. 30 minutes out of 24 hours. That gives you 23 and a half hours to do whatever else you want. Be determined to be more involved in God's kingdom by committed church attendance and getting involved in some facet of the church. Help your pastor. Find out what he needs to get done and then help him do it. And uh, uh, spend time with other believers participate in fellowship activities, and don't just attend church. Be a part of it. Do something in the church. Do something with people. We need to be with other believers. That's why uh, the Apostle Paul said to fail not to assemble yourselves together. It's important that we assemble ourselves together. It's important that we come together as a body, as a family, and, and help one another and support one another. See, if we really intend to press on toward the mark to win the prize that God's heavenly call offers, then we need to make God and his kingdom our top priority in life. This one thing I do, Paul said. He says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. See, he's saying, I ain't there yet. I'm not bragging. I'm not saying that I've arrived yet. But this one thing I do. And notice Paul said, didn't say this one thing I will do. He didn't say this one thing I'm going to do or this one thing I'll get around to someday. He said this one thing I do, present tense, right now I'm doing it. And Paul was living and acting in the present, the present tense. And a lot of people today are living in the past or trying to live in their future. They're either uh, running behind God or they're running ahead of God. And either place is dangerous. We should be right in the center of God's will. You know, a hurricane, it's, it's a terrible thing to get behind a hurricane. It's a terrible thing to get in front of a hurricane. But in the middle is peace. It's called the eye of the storm. And when you're in the center of it, I mean, there's storm all the way around you, 360 degrees but you're in perfect peace. That's how it is in the will of God. And if you find yourself in a storm all the time and your life is in an uproar and there's always something going on, you need to check yourself and find out, am I too far ahead of God? Am I too far behind God? If you're behind, catch up. If you're too far ahead, back up. Get in the center of the storm. Get in the center of God's will where you belong and you'll be in perfect peace all the time. The storm's still going on, but it's not affecting you. You're in peace.
That was all free. I won't charge you a thing for it. But Paul was living and acting in the present. And we have to make God and the things of God a priority in our lives and stay in the present with God. Stay in the present tense of his will. Uh, if you get too far behind, it's called uh, being a straggler. And that's who the enemy is looking for. Somebody that's not in the pack. Somebody that straggled behind, left the flock. And that's the one he's going to get. But, you know, how do you see yourself? Are you a batter who keeps on uh, striking out in life? Or are you a great pitcher? Either way, you can't lose. I mean, do you see yourself as a champion that wins every fight? Or as a loser who struggles alone, never seeming to get the victory on anything? And feeling sorry for yourself? How you perceive yourself is very important because it will ultimately affect who you are and what you actually become. Proverbs 23, 7, we're all familiar with this. For as a man thinks in his heart or his mind, so is he. As you think in your heart, so are you. And a lot of people have a poor self-image of themselves. They don't think too highly of themselves. And I know Paul said not to think too highly of yourself, but he didn't say not to think highly. He said not to think too highly. So we should think highly of ourselves. We should have a good image of ourselves. And, you know, it's a simple fact that you will project what you feel about yourself to others. If you don't feel good about yourself, that's how other people are going to perceive you because you're going to project that image. So this question about how you see yourself is very important. If you see yourself as a champion who wins every fight, that is exactly what you will become, and that is exactly what you will portray to others, and that's how they'll see you. But if you see yourself as someone who's struggling and wrestling and has a bad self-image, then that's precisely what you're going to become, and that's precisely how other people are going to see you. In Romans 8.37, I like this scripture. It says, We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. More than conquerors. It's wonderful just to be a conqueror, but Paul said we're more than conquerors. And notice that Paul was speaking present tense. He didn't say that we were or we're going to be. He says we are more, are present tense, more than conquerors through him that loved us. Who loves us? God loves us. Jesus loves us. So in Christ, in God, we are more than conquerors, present tense. And that word more, uh, without getting into a bunch of Greek definitions and stuff, it literally means over, above, and beyond. Over, above, and beyond. It depicts something that is way beyond measure. You know, my good friend Pastor Flint's been preaching on measurement. And I've been getting a lot out of that, that message, a series on that. And, and, you know, he's saying people are always measuring. And, and measuring is really another word for judging. We're always judging. We're always measuring up to something, seeing how somebody measures up to us. But one of the things I'm getting out of it is the fact that we should have a standard of measure because what are you measuring up against? You know, if you measure up against something that's smaller than you, you're always going to come out larger. But our, our standard of measurement should be the Word of God, should be God. And when you measure something, make sure you're using the Word of God as a standard to measure up against that thing. Compare yourself to the Word of God. 
Measure other people according to the Word of God. Don't judge them unjustly. Make sure you're measuring and you're measuring with the right standards. You're using the right ruler. Amen. So now Paul uses this same word to denote what kind of conquerors we are in Christ Jesus and why we must continue pressing for this prize of God in Christ Jesus, the high calling. He says we are more than conquerors. But as if that wasn't enough, in the next part of the verse where Paul calls us conquerors, the word conqueror describes an overcomer, a conqueror, a champion, a victor, a master. And Paul is making a really powerful filled statement about you and me. It's the picture of an overwhelming, prevailing force. That's who God says we are. In other words, in Jesus Christ, in Christ, we talked about in him scriptures last week. He said, in Christ, you are an overwhelming conqueror, a paramount victor, or an enormous overcomer. I mean, we just can't add enough to the word more than a conqueror. That's exactly who Paul is telling us we are. And that's in Christ. Now, outside of Christ, you are, you're going to be less than a conqueror. You're going to fall short of conquer status. He said we are present tense in Christ, a winner. Regardless of your experience, regardless of your past, you have to begin to look at yourself through God's eyes. Stop seeing yourself the way other people see you. Stop seeing yourself based on the failures of your past. Start looking through God's eyes right now, present tense, and seeing yourself as God sees you. Uh, in light of Romans 8.37, it declares that you are always the winner and never a loser. You're like that little boy with the baseball cap and the, and the ball and the bat, you know. Uh, even when you strike out, it only means that you're a, a victorious pitcher. And when you begin to think this way and see yourself the way God sees you, it will change the way you are and it will change the way that others perceive you to be. See, Jesus' death and resurrection gave us the legal authority to keep the devil under our feet. That's where he belongs, under our feet in total defeat. So we must always see ourselves as victors and not victims. And uh, even when it doesn't look good, see yourself as a victor. Even when you're about to take that third swing and you strike out, see yourself as a great pitcher. We should see ourselves as one who has already, who already has the victory. Not somebody that had it and lost it. Not somebody that's going to get it. But present tense, we have the victory. We should see ourselves as already possessing the authority that says we are no longer a victim, but we are a victor. Make up your mind right now to see yourself the way the Word of God sees you, the way that God sees you. Not as a loser, but as a powerful and conquering force. You are more than a match for any adversary, more than a match for any set of circumstances, any problem that comes your way, more than a match for any giant, any mountain that comes your way. Anything that comes against you, you are more than a conqueror, more than a match. That's the way you have to start thinking about yourself. I mean, it's all right here in the Word of God, in Christ, in Him, in, in whom. Now, we are more than a conqueror. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we're no longer a struggling loser. Instead, we possess the power to be an overcomer. Not just an overcomer, but an overwhelming overcomer. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can take our eyes off our past failures, 
forget them, leave them in the past where they belong. Jesus said anyone that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of the kingdom. So we shouldn't be looking back at those type of memories. It's okay to remember where God brought you from. Remember when you slayed Goliath and cut his head off. Remember your past victories uh, and forget the past defeats, the past failures, the past sins. And just look forward. Keep pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And uh, let's focus on the resurrection power that indwells us. We have resurrection power in us. Because when Christ was raised from the dead, we were raised with him. We have resurrection power in us. And, and, and Paul said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. We can know Christ and the power of his resurrection because it dwells in us. So let's choose our own attitudes from now on. Don't let your past tell you what your attitude is going to be. Don't let what people tell you what your attitude is going to be. Choose your own attitude. Uh, someone once said that attitude determines altitude. How successful you're going to be in life, how high you're going to go in the kingdom of God depends largely on your attitude. How do you see yourself? Are you a striking out batter? Or are you a, a world-famous pitcher? Either way, you're going to win. And so uh, let's choose our own attitudes. Don't let them be dictated to us. And follow the advice of the Apostle Paul. He said, forget your past. Forget your past. Those things that hinder and hold you back. Forget those things. He says, look beyond the sins and failures of yesterday. Learn from them, repent from them, and then move, move on, move forward. Don't look back anymore. And then he says, focus on your priorities. Place God at the top of your to-do list every day. I, I mean, he said, this one thing I do. What's that one thing, Paul? I, I put Jesus first. I put God first. I put the kingdom of God first. And that's the priority that we have to have. Priority in worship, priority in prayer, priority in the study of his word. We have to put his kingdom first in our life and then everything will fall in place. There's plenty of things for you to worry about. There's plenty of things for you to get all twitabated about. Plenty of, of, of circumstances that can drag you down and pull you back. And, and what God is saying is rather than worry about all those things, and worry about what every sinner in the world worries about, where his next meal is going to come from, where his clothes is going to come from, his next tank of gas, uh, things on the job and this. He said, forget all that stuff. Concentrate on me. Put me first. And if you truly do that, all the other things that you need, the, your food, your clothing, everything, all your supply, he said, it will come upon you automatically. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to strive for it. You don't have to fight for it anymore. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness or his way of doing and being right. In other words, seek God's kingdom, do what's right. And he says, I'll add all these things unto you. Automatically, I'll add them to you. I don't have to struggle for them. I don't have to worry about them. I don't have to stress for them. I don't have to strive for him. All I have to do is focus on him. This one thing I do, and that's put my mind on Christ. And he said, I'll add all these other things. Uh oh, we're having some weather here. So I'm going to get ready to close here real quick before we get cut off permanently. But 
Stop living in the past, and I'm going to say something a little bit shocking, but stop living in the future, too. You can't do nothing in either place. You can't do nothing in your past. You can't do nothing in your future. But everything in your present tense, present time, will affect your future. So concentrate on present tense. Concentrate on the present time. See yourself victorious and triumphant in everything you do. This is who God made us to be, and this is who God intends for us to be. Christ has done everything that he's ever going to do for us. He did it all on the cross. He did it all in his resurrection, in his whipping at that whipping post. He healed us. Everything he ever done, he saved us, shed his blood for us. He ain't doing it no more. It's already been done. That victory is ours. We're not coming from... Uh, a place that we're not walking to victory or walking towards victory we're coming from a place of victory we've already got the victory we just have to walk in it we just have to claim it and be triumphant in the victory that jesus already wrought for us on the cross it's already ours it's inside of you start living like it start acting like it amen let's pray father we thank you we praise you we give you glory and honor. We love you so much, Lord. We appreciate you so much. We thank you that you thought of everything. We thank you, Lord, that everything that you wanted to put in us, you put in Christ Jesus. And when we accepted Jesus as Lord of our life, everything that was in him went into us. And we are now triumphant. We are now present tense victorious. And so we will continue to press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And this one thing we will do is put you first from now on in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask you to touch my Facebook family. Heal the sick, Lord. Uh, touch them that have perplexing problems. Give them the answers that they're looking for, the answers they need. God, give this country the answers that we need. Give us people in the right places to execute the the, the wisdom of God in, in high offices and high places, Lord, that can bring remedy and bring peace and bring uh, healing to this land of ours. Touch everyone that's been touched by this stinking COVID-19 disease, Lord. Raise them up in the name of Jesus. God, uh, immunize us with the blood of Jesus. I know in the blood of Jesus is every type of immunization we could ever think of or invent, Lord. So, God, give us a blood transfusion of Jesus Christ and, and heal us of all these things that come against us. Touch our brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. Uh, we, I hope you got something out of this tonight. We'll see you Sunday. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.